Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, it's all WWE. This edition here of the show, as yours truly, we'll be talking about WrestleMania 39, as there was two nights of WrestleMania 39 that yours truly watched and has reviewed. And I will go over my review on this podcast, as that's going to be the main focal point of this podcast. That means there's going to be no What's Anthony T watching this episode, because it's all going to be about WWE WrestleMania 39. So it's going to be a change of pace this episode, as I want to focus on the biggest wrestling show of the year, WrestleMania 39. Before I can get to all of that, I have to talk about the elephant in the room that happened the day after WrestleMania 39. WWE was sold, finally. They actually sold the company. And the people who WWE sold the company to is none other than Endeavor. Now, if people don't know who Endeavor is then you don't know anything about MMA because Endeavor owns the UFC. And they paid a lot of money for WWE. More like $9.3 billion to own WWE. And they're going to pretty much put both WWE and UFC under the same umbrella called TKO. As this is more like a merger here, everyone, as UFC and WWE merged. That means there's going to be a ton of layoffs coming. And we're going to see a lot of talent releases soon. In fact, I don't know if they released any talent by the time this episode airs. But you're going to start seeing talent get released very, very soon. Because... When mergers happen, one of the things that companies do is cut costs due to overlapping or trying to get some of that money back that they paid. Because Endeavor paid $9.3 billion to get WWE. And it's sad because it's going to affect the talent roster at WWE because some of these people are going to get laid off. With the typical 90-day no-compete clause. And it's just sad. Seriously, it is very sad to see talent get laid off. But at least there's other companies for them to work at now. In the old days, there wasn't. After WCW and ECW left. Now you get AEW, Impact Wrestling, National Wrestling Alliance, MLW... You got a ton of companies. Plus, you also got the indie wrestling circuit, which will probably provide a shot in the arm because it's been kind of dying down a little bit. But with some of these wrestlers going on the indies, they're going to be able to maybe raise the profile a little bit of some of these indies. It'll help the GCWs more. It'll help Beyond Wrestling and those types of places. The major thing I don't like about this merger is the fact, and this is like probably the second worst thing. The worst merger possibility was WWE selling to the Saudi Arabia government. That would have been a catastrophe, literally. Thankfully, that did not happen. But the Endeavor thing is bad because of the second worst thing. Vince McMahon is back in this company, and he's staying there. As he's taking an executive chairman role at this new TKO. But still, I do not want Vince McMahon near WWE. Even if it's at TKO. Because you know Vince is going to meddle with WWE's product. You know that. You've seen that lately, especially with the women's division, and their segments keep getting cut. That seems to be the workings of Vince McMahon. And I don't get it, literally, that Vince McMahon 
still is in wrestling. I thought after the scandals he had, he was done. But I don't get this new company, TKO, would keep a guy that has so much baggage that he would be untouchable. If it was a normal Fortune 500 company, that person would not be around any company. Because companies don't like to associate with people who have had baggage like Vince McMahon has. With all the hush money payments. I just don't get why Vince McMahon is still in wrestling. Seriously. The guy needs to go. Literally. He should not even be near TKO at all. Appoint someone else. I don't want to see those types of people in wrestling. I don't. Plus, Vince still lives in the 80s and 90s. This is 2023. You know Vince is going to try to meddle his way through the product in WWE. That's what he does. Now you got a very unhappy locker room. Hopefully the draft will be a reset. And Vince doesn't do as much. But I have no faith in that, literally. As I'll believe it when I see it. That Vince McMahon just stays away from WWE and focuses on TKO and TKO only. And so be around WWE until the day he dies. I don't know why Endeavor would continue to have this guy around. Seriously. They know the fans don't want him around WWE. They know. But it doesn't seem like Endeavor cares. As long as the money keeps flowing, they're not going to give two cents if Vince McMahon is there. They're not. They're not. As long as the TV ratings are up, and as long as those big lucrative contracts keep coming in from USA and Fox, Vince McMahon will still be around WWE in one way or another and that's not a good thing for this product not at all welcome to dark discussions your place for the discussion of horror film fiction and all that's fantastic Hey, weekly podcast here. The discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. If you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. Speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. If the Endeavor sale wasn't enough this episode, we still have to talk about WrestleMania 39, both night one and... And night two. It started off with The Miz and Snoop Dogg hyping up the event before the card started. The opening bout for WrestleMania 39, night one, was Austin Theory versus John Cena. Now, if I had it my way, I really don't think this match should have started this card. Especially with the match afterwards which I'll go more into after this match because I really thought the match afterwards 
would have been a better way to open up this card, given the fact that that match was much better than this match, that's for sure. Even though I say that, I thought Cena versus Theory was a solid opening match. The action in the ring was good as both of them really did a good job keeping your interest as it kept my interest throughout. Both of them worked very well together. I like the fact that both Cena and Theory had good chemistry in the ring. As Austin Theory is a very good wrestler, I have to admit, he is. I've seen some of his stuff in Evolve back in the day. He can go if given the right material. Austin Theory, I think, can be a world champion in WWE. It's just the way they booked him. And this is the problem I have with this match. Yes, John Cena put Austin Theory over. The thing that I did not like at all was the way that John Cena put Austin Theory over. It's like WWE was protecting John Cena. Because there were a lot of shenanigans towards the end of that match. And that was like the major problem I had with this match. Which really hurt my enjoyment of this match. And it was the constant cheating from Austin Theory in the match. Whether it was like biting the hand during an STF position. Or nailing the ref. When he had the ropes to block Cena's finisher, the AA. The finish comes when Cena makes Theory tap out with the STF. But there's no ref around because the referee is knocked out. This gives Theory a chance to low blow Cena and hit his finisher for the victory. I don't get why they couldn't have Theory beat Cena clean here. As if they had Austin Theory beat John Cena clean, it would have been a nice passing of the torch thing. But no, they did not decide to pass the torch. Instead, they wanted to protect John Cena, and having the screwy finish didn't help matters. Seriously, for Austin Theory. First of all, why are they even having this match? Even though we all knew John Cena was not going to win that match for the U.S. title. Because this was a U.S. title match. And I really don't get why WWE is still protecting John Cena. Even though he's a part-timer. And quite frankly, this might be his last WrestleMania match. He should have put... Austin Theory over cleanly, as it would have made Austin Theory more of a star. Instead, all these shenanigans and all these shortcuts really diminishes what you could have done with Austin Theory, as this could have been a star-making performance for the kid. But instead... They decided to protect John Cena and have a screwy finish. It irks me, WWE. Seriously. I know it's a good match, but Austin Theory should have won this match cleanly. It would have sent shockwaves and it would have made Austin Theory a made man. But no, WWE needs to protect its golden boys, the John Cena's, the Roman Reigns of the world. And that's the problem with this promotion. Even though Triple H has done a good, great job booking, he's still protecting these golden boys. It's time for them to pave the way for the future. Especially if both John Cena and Roman Reigns are going to be part-time wrestlers. Moving on. Next match. But first, we get a Snickers commercial. Yes, I know. They're sponsoring the event. No, I do not need to see Snickers commercials. Seriously. I don't want to see advertisements on the biggest show of the year. I don't care if they're the event sponsor. I can understand you want to advertise your website for merch or... Advertise your video game. 
but advertising your sponsor's products is going a little too far. And it takes up at least two minutes. And it's a little time consuming. And after this, we get the first of many product sponsored matches. Remember back on episode 92 of the podcast where I complained about WWE using product placement for matches? Well, we started to see that at WrestleMania, everyone. In some matches, not all, but you had a couple of sponsors sponsoring matches. It's like, I'm watching the wrestling match, and I have to see the sponsor's logo on the LED board. I don't want to see that. Seriously. It's distracting. Literally. I was kind of distracted a bit, quite frankly. But let's move on to the match. Is the Tag Team Fatal 4-Way sponsored by Intuit TurboTax? As the Street Profits versus the Alpha Academy versus Strowman and Ricochet versus the Viking Raiders. This was a great match. This match should have opened up WrestleMania 39. Not Cena versus Theory. As this really got the crowd in a frenzy. In a match that had no right of being a great match, quite frankly. All the teams in the match worked very well with each other here. There's some really good spots, including Chad Gable hitting a rolling suplex on Braun Strowman. Strowman nailing a frog splash on Ivar. The action was fast-paced throughout this whole match. The match also had a very excellent Tower of Doom spot. The finish of this match comes when Ricochet tries for a shooting star press, but Angelo Dawkins got his knees up and Montez Ford hits the frog splash for the win. This was a great match. This really got this pay-per-view going, seriously, for me. Then we had a needless up-up down down segment simulating the Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul match. Ugh. I don't want to be wasting time here. This is a wrestling show, not Madden 2K23. Seriously, that's what they made WWE 2K23 feel like. Madden 2K23. Where they had this simulation who was going to win the match. It was very needless to say. I didn't need that. Let's just move on to Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. In one of the most infuriating moments of this show. Even though this was a great show, it had a couple of infuriating moments. One was Logan Paul's entrance. Ugh. I don't want to hear this guy talk, please. You know my take on social influencers. I just went through this with Eli Roth casting a TikTok star. So we're not going back to that rant. But Paul's entrance was completely annoying. I do not like annoying entrances. It consisted of him parachuting to the entrance ramp. While parachuting, he's smack talking. Ugh. Please, I don't want to hear any words from him. Please. To make matters worse, he is accompanied to the ring with a stupid mascot for his stupid energy drink, Prime. Now, make this the third product shoved down my throat during night one so far. You had the Snickers commercial and the Intuit TurboTax. Sponsored match. Ah, I can't stand product placement. That is so evident. And this cod is like, it had a lot of product placement between both nights. I don't like it. I just want to see wrestling. That's it. If you want to put your product on, just have it on top of the graphic or on the wrestling mat. Not on an LED board where I can see it. 
three the entire time or having a mascot stand at ringside. Then Seth Rollins had a bizarre entrance where a conductor was on the stage, but there's nobody singing his theme. It's like you're hearing this vocal track. It felt like he's conducting to a vocal track. I could be wrong here, but that's what it felt like to me seeing it. Enough of the stupid entrances. Let's just get to this match. As I thought the match was very good, as both Rollins and Paul really did a good job in the ring. Even though I hate Logan Paul, at least he can deliver in his matches, which is very good because I don't want to see people just... Not giving it 100%. At least I respect the fact that Logan Paul gives 100% every time he's in the ring. I just don't like he's being pushed to the top of the card. This match had a lot of very good near fall sequences. Paul also kneeled a right hand to Rollins for a two count during the match. That's usually his finisher. A major spot when Rollins was setting up for a curb stop, but Logan Paul gets pulled out of the ring by the prime mascot. The mascot unmasks himself to be KSI, Paul Logan's business partner in prime, and another social media influencer. Yay. Just what the WWE needs. Another social media influencer in WWE. I hate social media influencers. Seriously. They should just stick to being on Instagram and that's it. That, TikTok, all that stuff. It's overkill. This is getting to be overkill. It's taking over my podcast now. Me talking about social media influencers. I don't want to see it in my wrestling. I don't want to see it in my movies. Period. Moving back to the match. Logan Paul and KSI put Rollins on the Spanish announcer's table. Paul looks good on the top rope while KSI was taking a selfie. I was thinking to myself... Why do we need stupid stuff like this in wrestling? Because it just wastes time in the match. Thankfully, Rollins put KSI onto the table as he escaped as Logan Paul, unaware and acting like a goof on the top rope before hitting a frog splash onto KSI. Rollins quickly rolls Paul into the ring Hits the pedigree for a two count. The finish comes when Paul hits a GTS to Rollins. Then hits a frog splash for a two count. Paul tries to hit coast to coast. But Rollins hits a super kick. Then curb stops Paul for the win in a very good match. But could have done away with all the social media goofness that accompanied this match. Seriously, it was overkill. I don't want to see social media in my matches. I am sorry, people. This is starting to get on my nerves and is taking away from valuable time on this podcast because I have to talk about it. But anyway, we got to move on. We got more matches for night one of WrestleMania. Next up, we have Damage Control versus Lita, Trish Stratus, and Becky Lynch. Lita, Tristratus, and Becky get an awesome Sin City-like entrance video, plus them coming out to a black and white background, which captures the whole vibe of the video. That was cool. The crowd was not into this match for the most part. Match felt slow, which hurt the pace, so maybe the end of it. The finish comes when Lita hits a twist of fate on ELO Sky. Trish Stratus hits the chick kick on Dakota Kai. Then Lita hits a Lita Salt on Sky and Kai, leaving Bailey all alone with the three of them. As she's on the second row with Becky Lynch, where Becky Lynch hit the manhandle slam for the win. I really thought the wrong team won in this match. 
they're just making damage control look like goofs. And these are three talented women wrestlers. Elo Sky, Dakota Kai, Bailey, and they're being looked like as goofs here. I don't get it. They should have won this match. Quite frankly, they should be a dominant female stable. Instead, they look like jokes. And that's not a good thing. They needed a signature win badly, and they didn't get it. Just bad booking on WWE's part for this match. Moving on. And yet another product placement match. Make that number four here. As now you had Snickers, Intuit TurboTax, Prime, and now Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And we did talk about Cinnamon Toast Crunch on this podcast. Now this whole thing about this Cinnamon Toast Crunch thing was all about slapping the brand's name in front of a match. And the match happens to be Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio. Seriously. This is a blood feud. And it's being presented to you by Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You've got to be kidding me. I can't take this if every match is going to be presented by a sponsor here, WWE. I don't know how many more pay-per-views I can watch. And this is the first one I've watched with sponsorships in front of matches. So, if this is going to be a common thing, I'm going to be burnt out with this product very quickly. This was a very good match. You had Bad Bunny at ringside at the Spanish announcer's table. Now, keep in mind a Bad Bunny here because Judgment Day would show up later in the match. And Damian Priest, who's in Judgment Day, used to roll with Bad Bunny. So, keep that in mind. The crowd was electric in this match. You had a lot of really good spots. You had Dominic going after his mother and sister in the crowd. You had a belt spot where Rey Mysterio hit Dominic Mysterio with a belt. The action had an intense feel to it. Mid-match, Judgment Day comes out. As Balor and Priest came down the ringside, Legend Del Fantasmo and Escobar showed up later to help Rey Mysterio out. Both factions would brawl to the back. Dominic Mysterio is a great heel here. I really liked his work here in this match. He's got a great character, I think. Especially being paired with Rhea Ripley has really helped Dominic Mysterio in the character department. The finish came when Dominic tried to expose the top turnbuckle. The referee saw it. As the ref was trying to put it back on, Dominic goes for a blazer that was left at the other side of the ring by Damian Priest. Now, I told you bad money earlier. He would play a pot in this match. As the blazer was revealed to have a chain inside the blazer for Dominic to use. As Dominic was going to use it, Bad Bunny left the Spanish announcer's table to grab the chain from Dominic Mysterio. This led Rey Mysterio to hit the 619 and hit his frog splash for the win in a very good match. This was just very good. I enjoyed this match a lot. One of the best matches on night one for sure. I wonder if they're going to tease something with Bad Bunny and Dominic Mysterio now. Or Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. Since WWE's next pay-per-view is in Puerto Rico. And Bad Bunny is supposed to be at that pay-per-view. Or premium live event. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next. If Bad Bunny plays a role somehow at Backlash. Next up, it was the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. This was a great match. I enjoyed this match. Easily one of the top two matches of the night. I like how the women worked very well with each other as they both had great chemistry in the ring. There was some good psychology in this match. A lot of great power moves, intense 
action, including a second rope suplex from Rhea Ripley, making Charlotte land face first. Charlotte would hit natural selection. The action really had an intense feel to it throughout the entire match, which really made the match very good. There's also a spot where Charlotte almost runs into the ref. It allowed Rhea Ripley to headbutt her and allow her to hit the tide for the first time for a two count. Charlotte also hit a spear in this match for a near fall. As there were a lot of near falls in this match. The finish came when Charlotte and Rhea Ripley were fighting on the top rope. Rhea Ripley smashes Charlotte's face on top of the steel post. This allowed Rhea Ripley to hit the Eradicator off the second rope for the win. And she became the new SmackDown Women's Champion in a very good match. It's definitely a match you should go out of your way to check out, as this was one of the best matches all WrestleMania weekend. Then we get a needless interview with Austin Theory, which really did nothing. I don't know why we needed a Austin Theory interview, as it advanced nothing. It just was there to kill time. This show was almost four hours. You don't need to kill time. No offense. Then we cut to the ring with Snoop Dogg and The Miz. The Miz cuts a promo that he put out an open challenge saying no one answered it. Until Pat McAfee came out and said The Miz never put out an open challenge. Snoop Dogg approves the match. And Pat McAfee pretty much dominates this whole match. At one point, The Miz rolls out of the ring. He proceeds to try to leave until he pushes a fan, only to find out it was San Francisco 49er George Kittle. He would hit The Miz with a clothesline. McAfee would hit a cannonball off the top steel post. He rolls The Miz in the ring, hits him with a punt, and pins him for the three count. Enough said with that match. I'm not going to go into it. It just felt like filler. More filler on this card. It's good to see Pat McAfee on this card, but he should be commentating, not wrestling. Sorry. Then we get to the main event. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. As this match is presented by Intuit TurboTax. I am sick of these product placements. As there were a lot of it during WrestleMania weekend. During the two shows. I just don't like product placement. Period. The match started off with Zayn and Jey Uso. I thought the two teams in this match worked well together. It had an intense feel to it. Including Zayn hitting a brain buster on the apron at one point. The action in this match was fast paced. There was a point in this match where... The Usos were super kicking Zayn in stereo and only getting two counts. The Usos hit a double team powerbomb on Owens through an announcer's table. The Usos hit, I believe, Zayn with the 1D for a two count. Owens would hit the stunner at one point for a two count. The Usos hit their trademark stereo Uso splash on Owens for a two count. A lot of Big moves in this match. The finish came when Owens hit a suplex on Jay Uso from the top rope. Then Jay Uso ends up in one of the corners, stunned, as Owens tagged in Sami Zayn. Zayn would hit not one, not two, but three Huluva kicks to Jay Uso. While during the second Huluva kick, Owens hit a stunner to Jimmy Uso and Zayn pinned. Jay Uso for the three count and new Universal Tag Team Champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Really good match to end night one of WrestleMania. And overall, I thought night one was a great show with some great matches, including the four way tag match, the women's championship match, and the tag team championship match to close the show. As this was easily the better of the two shows. And I'll explain why 
when I come back on the other side. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran, and we are the Two From Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month, we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two From Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Welcome back. Moving on to WrestleMania 39 Night 2. Would this be better than the first night of WrestleMania 39? To put it in a very simple answer, no. Not at all. Seriously. And it really started with the opening match of this card. Brock Lesnar versus Almost almost dominated this match early. As it really felt like Almost was still doing the typical kick punch, body slam, choke slam routine, which really does nothing for me. He tries to show a little emotion, which is good, but he needs to be more emotional in the ring, I think, because right now he feels like a wrestler from the 80s, and he would have fit very well in the 1980s with Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, those wrestlers but this is 2023 and you need to have more than just be a wrestler that just does the basic moves and that's why i felt almost did in this match it took a while but brock lesnar has suplex on almost the finish came when brock lesnar tries for the f5 but doesn't hit it as his back gave up on him. This led almost to attack him and tried to hit his two-handed choke slam to no avail as Brock Lesnar counted it into the F5 and hit the move finally for the win. Thankfully this match was quick, but I don't know if I would have opened the show with this match. Seriously. As this match was boring. Seriously. And Brock Lesnar can be good if given the right opponent and everything. I like Brock Lesnar. Almost, I'm still not sold on. And this match did nothing for me. On almost. I know they're trying to make him his the next big guy. Big monster heel. But, right now he's lacking in the in-ring psychology and character development pot when he's in the ring. And it really shows in a lot of his matches. And you wonder why you see squash matches with almost. Because you keep him out for like 5-10 minutes, he's going to get exposed as inexperienced. 
and it kind of showed a bit in this match with Brock Lesnar. But that was not the worst match of the night, as the next match was probably the worst match of the night, and probably the worst match all WrestleMania weekend. The Four Corners Women's Tag Team Match, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan versus Shotzi and Natalia versus Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. The crowd was really dead in this match. I was bored watching this match, too. And part of it had to do with the crowd, quite frankly, because the crowd really did not care for this match at all. Ronda Rousey felt like she was being overly protected in this match, as she did hardly anything in this match. Her and Shayna Baszler hardly did anything in this match. It drove me nuts to have a four corners match and have three teams do the work and have that one team that does nothing win the match. It's just like six people were like working this match and I couldn't just help just I don't get why they continue to protect Ronda Rousey. We all know she does not care and it seems like it rubs off on Shayna Baszler as well because quite frankly they can be good if they care, Bookie has not been great to them, obviously. And this match proved it. The finish came when Liv Morgan hit Oblivion on Shotzi, only to get tagged in by Baszler, who tagged in Rousey, so she can hit the on-boss submission. This was an awful match. This is how you don't book a match. Especially a four corners match. It has to be exciting. This match was just boring. It felt like three teams were doing all the work. They might as well should have had a triple threat match. Seriously. I don't like people being anointed victories, but this felt that way. This is WrestleMania and Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler hardly did anything on the show but sit there and get a submission win. That's it. They didn't go in the ring that much as they let the other six women work the match. This is just bad booking by WWE. Seriously. At a point we all know they're disinterested. And you can tell it they're disinterested during this match. But some of it has to also do with the booking of this match because it was atrocious. Literally. First two matches on a card, completely bad. Finally, after that, we probably get the best match of WrestleMania weekend from WWE. The triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. Gunther defending against Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. This was a great match. There were a lot of stiff shots in this match. The action in this match was intense. A lot of good near falls. Sheamus hits the Celtic Crusher two count. Sheamus hits the bro kick for a two after McIntyre pulls him out of the ring. A lot of great near falls. McIntyre and Sheamus are fighting in the ring. Sheamus hits the bro kick. Gunther comes from the top rope to break up the pin. Gunther hits Sheamus and McIntyre with his Powerbomb finisher, then pins McIntyre for the pin in a very good match. Easily the best match of the weekend. And it was all presented by Mike's Hard Lemonade. And yes, there was more advertisement on this card. Like night one. Next up, Bianca Belair versus Asuka. This is a, another very good women's match on the card. Like the Charlotte Flair versus... Rhea Ripley match. This match didn't disappoint. As I really thought both women worked well together here. The submission wrestling was good here. As both Belair and Asuka did a great job in making the action intense. The match also had some very good power moves. Also some good back and forth action as well. The finish comes when Asuka has Bianca Belair in an armbar. But... Belair powers up and hits the KOD for the win. Overall, 
It was a very good match, but Asuka should have won this match. There is no reason why Asuka should be 0-5 against Bianca Belair. No reason at all. I know Bianca Belair is good in the ring and everything, but it was her time to drop that women's title to Asuka. I know they're teasing a few now with her and Rhea Ripley, so I'm guessing... Maybe that's why they had Belair win this match. Maybe do a unification title match at Backlash. But still, Asuka should have won this match. Seriously. She's 0-5 against Bianca Belair. It's ridiculous. At this point, Asuka, you can't take as a serious contender for the title. If she can't win the title. Literally. She needed that win. And she didn't get that win. It was status quo. Enough with this. We'll move on to the next segment. The Miz, Snoop Dogg came out for another segment like the night before. They had two segments at the beginning and here. But instead of Pat McAfee showing up, this time it was Shane McMahon showing up to challenge The Miz. And again, Snoop Dogg calls for a match like the night before. Shane comes in punching at The Miz. Then when he went for a leapfrog, Shane McMahon comes down wrong on his knee and torn his quad. This led to Snoop Dogg taking over the segment and improvising by KOing The Miz, I believe twice. Then hits the people's elbow for the pin. Ah, enough here. I respect the fact that Snoop Dogg came in and saved the segment. Because normally when that goes wrong, the segment's scrapped. But at least Snoop Dogg came in and saved it. It wasn't my cup of tea. as I wasn't liking the segment like the night before. I didn't like the night before segment. And I sure wasn't liking this night segment as well. But I have to give Snoop Dogg respect for saving the segment. Then we get a video package for Edge versus Finn Balor. And then the Hell in the Cell lowers. Then we get Russell Crowe narrating a video package as the cells being lowered down. In promotion of the Pope's Exorcist. Which should be out by now. As of this recording, the film should be out in theaters. But that was kind of neat. But then again, it's back to product placement. And this wasn't the first time we got the Pope's Exorcist mentioned in this match. As Edge took on Finn Balor. The match started off with a do with Balor with kendo sticks and Edge with a chair. Edge hits Balor with a chair before Balor gets the upper hand with the kendo sticks. There were a lot of kendo sticks in this match. Edge would use two of them to trap Balor within the cell, literally. Put him in between the cell. That was a cool spot. A major moment in the match is when Edge throws a ladder at Balor, busting him wide open to the point the doctor had to come into the cell and pretty much fix it. Literally. It was during the match. They actually had to bring a doctor into the Hell in the Cell ring to fix Balor up. But the match continued. And during the match, there was a wide shot with a ad for the Pope's Exorcist. In the middle of the match, nonetheless. This is WrestleMania, and I'm seeing an ad for a movie in the middle of a match. Come on WWE. Wake up. You took care of this at the beginning of the match. I did not need to see a graphic about the Pope's Exorcist coming to theaters. I got it when you ran an ad before the match. Seriously WWE. I don't like this product placement. I don't. Back to the match. Balor hits the coup de grace for a two count. Balor would climb to the top of the ladder. Edge would join him and hit the execution for a two count. Balor would 
lay Edge on a table, then climb up the cell to try to hit his finisher, only for Edge to roll off the table and Balor coming crashing through the table. This would lead Edge to hit a spear for a two count. Then he would repeatedly hit him with kendo sticks and chair shots to the back before he would hit his signature Cacheto for the victory. In a very good match, even though the whole doctor stoppage for two, three minutes slowed it a bit, it still got in the most important spots in this match. And it still was a good Hell in a Cell match. Then we move on to the main event. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship sponsored by Intuit TurboTax. And yes, we still had more product placement even in the main event. The match starts with a Roman Reigns promo begging everyone to acknowledge him as the tribal chief. I don't like this gimmick. Please, I just want to get to the match. There was a lot of interference in this match. Solo Sokoa getting involved in this match. And he does this a lot in this match. At one point, he would hit Cody with a steel chair. He would trip Cody. Then he would be ejected from the match after hitting Cody with his own weight belt. Roman would get the belt, but Cody would hit a super kick, then his crossroads for a two count. Rhodes would also have pedigree in this match for a two count. Cody would also go for a disaster kick, but Roman would counter it into a Superman punch for a two count. At one point, Cody Rhodes would hit the figure four only for Roman Reigns to reverse it. Roman would hit a spear for a two count. Roman Reigns would try to submit Cody Rhodes with the guillotine choke, but Cody Rhodes gets out of that submission. Major point in the match is when Cody went to kick Roman, but Roman got out of the way and Cody got the rough instead. From that point, this match just went downhill from there. The Usos would show up and start attacking Cody. Then Owens and Zayn would show up to run off the Usos. This would lead Cody Rhodes to go cover Roman Reigns for a two count. The finish comes when Cody Rhodes hits crossroads on Roman Reigns twice in consecutive moves. Then went for a third time before Paul Heyman went on the ring apron to cause a distraction. And when that was happening, guess who comes out? Solo Sakai. He comes out of nowhere, hits a Samoa spike on Cody... This leads Roman Reigns to hit the spear for the win. What is the point of being ejected from a match? It's like the referee had to have seen Soa Sakai at ringside after he ejected him. Come on. Literally. I don't get that. Seriously. You eject a guy, then he suddenly comes out again, hanging around at ringside. Referee sees him, does nothing. What's the point of ejecting somebody? I don't get it. This felt like WCW, typical Hollywood Hulk Hogan, NWO match. Where you have tons of interference, chaotic finish... And the match ends up being a bust after having a good match. This is what happened here. It seems like Roman Reigns' title defenses always have to have interference in them. Can we have a title defense without any interference at all, please? Seriously, WWE, can you give us one Roman Reigns title defense where Roman Reigns actually earns a victory without having 10 million people run in and help him win? This is ridiculous. Seriously. This should have been Cody Rhodes' crowning moment. Instead, we're stuck with another Roman Reigns victory. At this point, Roman Reigns is a title hog. 
This is why I cannot fully commit to WWE, everyone. It lies with the fact that they anoint Roman Reigns as their champion, and he's been their champion for almost three years. Get the title off him, please. I'm begging you, WWE. Now, who is there to get the title off him if Cody couldn't do it? Another brilliantly missed opportunity here. I just don't get it, WWE. We're just going to continue having Roman Reigns and the Bloodline run around roughshod this promotion. After a while, this storyline gets boring and repetitive. And yes, I know Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to defend the tag team titles in a couple weeks at the draft in Jacksonville on Raw. I'm sure you're going to have them drop them to the Usos to continue this repetitiveness of the bloodline continuing as your tag team champions and as your universal champion. It's just stupid. Literally. Because that's why I think it's going to happen when Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defend those titles at the WWE Draft on Monday Night Raw. Because they're not going to be at Saudi Arabia and that show's being dubbed as Night of Champions. So this is just ridiculous. Seriously. I don't need the bloodline continuously running roughshod on this promotion. It is not good for this promotion. There are other people that are deserving of this title. But WWE are so reliant on Roman Reigns and so reliant on the Usos that it's getting to the point now where it's just boring. Overall, Night 2 was a step down from Night 1. A lot of questionable Booking on night two. You had the first two matches be not good. Easily night one was better than night two. Enough with this because I'm done talking about Roman Reigns continuously holding the WWE title. It's not good for this company. And that's my thoughts on WrestleMania 39. For all your social media needs on Anthony T's Power and Wrestling Show, you can go to at Power Wrestling on Twitter at Film Arcade Media. You can listen and subscribe to Anthony's Power and Wrestling Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other major podcast providers. You can also listen to the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Film Arcade Media and DocDiscussions.com. Welcome back. Since this is a WWE WrestleMania episode, there is no What's Anthony T watching. Next episode, I'm working on a guest. Then hopefully episode 98 will be my Halfway to Black Friday VS episode where I'll recommend some titles for the upcoming Halfway to Black Friday sale that VS always runs every year around Memorial Day weekend. That's usually a very good sale. I've already got the package for it. I can't wait for this sale. As it, this looks like it's going to be a very good package. So that's the next couple episodes of this podcast that I have planned. Hopefully it all goes to fruition. And also on the Anti-T's Horror and Wrestling Show official Facebook group. I have a poll going up letting you choose what film I should review next episode. I chose five films I've never seen before. That means I've never seen the film before. And I went by alphabetical order. And all these are boutique label releases. First, I have Biozombie from VS. Death Warmed Up from Severin. The Dentist... From Vestron, John Carpenter's Vampires from Scream Factory, and Last House on the Left, the original from Arrow Video. You get to choose one of those five. And you have until May 3rd to choose which film over on the official Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show Facebook group on 
Facebook. I'll have a link of it on the official Facebook page of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show and the official Slasher app page as well. So I'll have the link up for the group on those two pages where you can join the group. I will approve you. And then you will be able to vote on which film you want me to review. Now, if there's a tie, well, I get to review both films on two episodes. Episode 97 and 98. I don't feel like doing a tiebreaker here, so I'll review both films on two separate episodes. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube at youtube.com at Film Arcade Media. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror. This has been a Film IK Media production.